0: the texas steampunk connection your source for steampunk event information in the great free state of texas
1: we also
2: discuss books films comics and games also we enjoy visiting with the local steampunk luminaries i'm flavio i'm erica and i'm fax your, your hosts, hosts.
0: <laughs> thank you for tuning in and now on to the episode
1: Welcome to Texas Steampunk Connection. This is Season 2, Episode 5. How is everybody doing today? Pretty good. We've been doing very little steampunk stuff lately, but we did make up for it and we we watched a movie and read a book. Because there's not really a lot of steampunk going on currently. Well... (laughs) Not, Not
2: nearby... Anyway I don't know In a week Two of the three of us Are, are, are leaving the country True But uh, that's in a
1: week <laughs> I'm talking about last week <laughs> Well what do you I mean that's we're, We can't talk about What's going to happen in, Well we'll talk about What's going to happen In the future
2: Well, well there was Wild, Wild West Fest That you missed I unfortunately. Missed it. Well, I'm sad uh, But that was only A couple of weeks ago Right yeah, it was it was right after our last recording. And I know of conventions that have steampunk tracks that are happening in the near future. Right. But we're getting will, off topic. Right, we can yeah, talk about that later. Exactly. But there's stuff there's stuff. Yeah.
1: But we didn't do we any of We haven't seen stuff, any of this stuff. That's no. what I'm saying. But we did read a book. All three of us read the same book. Which is a challenge for us because yes. we
2: read at different speeds and uh,
1: I'm slow. And I'm slow also. Erica, however, is I think a pretty fast reader. You took like a week to read it or less than a week?
0: About, A, a yeah. day? <laughs> no, no. A few days.
1: <laughs> a few days. Yeah, it took me you know, a couple of weeks or maybe not a full two weeks, but it took
2: me a while because I only read when I eat lunch and dinner when I go out. We're getting off track. We're getting off track. Again. So what happened? We were talking about our show with a friend of ours, our friend Lorelei, who is a, a cosplayer and generally scoffs at steampunk, but she uh, really enjoyed a series of books she told us about that that happened to be steampunk, and we'd never heard of them, and she went on and on about them. So of course we had to. I right. had to go find it. And you did. And so, And so here we are. And uh, today we're going to talk about Mortal Engines, which is the first of a, a series of four books in the Hungry Cities Chronicles series, written by Philip Reeve, and he's he's British, right? right. I believe so. Yeah, yeah. It, just in the in the the reading of the book, it's very British. <laughs> well, it was, right. it was based in London, yeah. But but just the way everybody talked—that's true. Yeah, it's, right. Uh, sentiment.
1: So this this actually kind of falls under the young readers type of book, right? Uh, like if you look for it in a in a bookstore, it'd be under young readers or young
0: young adults. Young
1: adults, yeah,
0: probably with uh, Hunger Games and Harry Potter and and that sort of which genre. Mm-hmm.
1: So okay, I guess we'll start we'll, we'll start with that. So did you like it? <laughs>
2: um, yeah.
1: Yeah, I did. You liked it a lot. Okay. Um, are you going to are you going to plan to read the,
2: re- the rest of the series? I've already bought them. Okay. <laughs> uh, I I've mentioned I am a slow reader. I read this book in 2 days. Wow. <laughs> okay. I, I was on another ship with nothing better to do, but oh, it just okay. once so, so you were trapped on a ship? Well, not trapped on a ship. You were cruising, have a good old time. I, it, I couldn't put it down and that's that's literal. I'm sure I was terrible company at the time. <laughs> oh, no. but uh that, yeah, I wasn't there. I don't know. Erica, really what did you think of the book?
0: I thought it was pretty good. It is uh, set in a post-apocalyptic future... Time period unspecified the protagonist is a young man who lives in the city of London and the city of London is a traveling city there have been some sort of uh, geological ah, um, some kind of disaster disasters and so it's not there there's you know earthquakes and volcanoes and all kinds of terrible things and so for a city to stay in one place it might be uh, eradicated by uh, natural disaster so they figured out a way to put cities on tracks or legs or wheels or whatever depending on the city and so these cities just travel around this blasted landscape uh, devouring each other and there's kind of there's a thing what called municipal call? darwinism
2: hilarious which is yeah which
0: is kind of you know the law of nature the larger cities the faster cities the slower and smaller cities it's a towny town world out there yep
2: <laughs> which is which was crazy and so of course- london is
0: is of course one of the survivor cities and it's it's big and it's old and there's vestiges of the original london that you and i might be more familiar with saint paul's cathedral has survived the apocalypse but there is something mysterious happening, and it's being renovated in some way, and people are not allowed in it at this time of the story.
1: Yes, and of course, there's another there's another section called the the Anti Traction League. And they're the, oh. the, the, the settled people, the people who settle down someplace. And the people who refuse to live in mobile cities. Right. And they're... They're actually living in proper cities, or to the type of cities we would know more about. Right. <laughs> and of course... You know, they're, they're revolutionaries. Look, they're looked down on. Yeah, they're looked down on as, oh, yep. they're barbarians and blah, blah, this, because you know they're, they're going against the Darwinism. Right. <laughs> How could they? You know, but then, but also, but at the flip side, there's those cities called the the traveling cities, barbarians. <laughs> you know, so it's all a matter of perspective.
0: So the main character is a young man named Tom, and he is a sort of apprentice historian who works in in, in the uh, hist. There's a guild system in the in this London, and so there's the engineers, there's the historians, there's the navigators, et cetera, et cetera. And Tom is a very low-level historian, and his job is to, you know, dust things. And every time the city starts getting in hot pursuit of another city to devour, it shakes up the museum and creates dust, and all the historians get all in a fluff. And, Tom, you better clean up this mess. And so this poor boy is just... That's so I say it's,
2: it's very British. <laughs> they're the old, stodgy archaeologists, and they're dusting and they're talking about old bits of silliness. <laughs>
0: they're very concerned about curating their pottery collection and things like this.
1: Whenever they devour another city, they you know they send somebody down to go find if see if there's anything historical value in that city before it got devoured or burned or whatever they used, recycled. That's one of the things
2: know. I really liked of jumping into this book. If you, if you can get past the, the ridiculousness of the concept, yeah. the, the author really digs into it and, and shows you all the layers of society and culture and technology, kind of. You don't want to get too into technology because it, it all yeah, falls it's, apart. It's a, yeah, but you if you, you just accept that this thing works how everybody runs everything and the, the social strata. It, uh, it, it was very, very cool.
0: Well, I liked it because the author didn't sit there and explain, you know, it's been 600 years since the last war of the blah, blah, blah. You just get stuck right into the middle of it. The world is built. And it's just sort of assumed that the reader, you know this. You're, you're seeing it sort of from the point of view of, of the characters. And it's like, he, he knows who the, who the gods of the city are. He knows where the levels are he knows what the mission of the engineers and the archaeologists and the historians is so he doesn't explain it to anybody you just kind of pick it up as you go yeah, the world is there you you
2: it doesn't matter how long london has been a traction city it's always been one because that's all he's ever seen exactly he's never been off of it it would and he you know would think in horror of the, just the the idea of of leaving london but
0: unfortunately he does end up leaving London. London, not because not he wanted to, but yeah, <laughs> <laughs> and experiences the the outer worlds and the uh, airships and. Uh, yeah, if I'm not
1: mistaken, they were like the oceans are come pretty much dried up.
0: Is that how it was? They were they were going.
1: It looked seemed to me like they were trying to go across the like the bottom. There of was an a ocean. land
0: bridge, yeah, between I guess what would what we would consider Great Britain and the continental Europe, and then there's sort of a mountain range. It's not it's not super well explained. Yeah, what the you, what
1: the land masses were. Because that's not important. Yeah, because, it wasn't. But I just, yeah. But
0: it yeah. was going somewhere. There, there's the great hunting ground <laughs> yeah. which I, I took to mean sort of continental Europe. Uh, I guess so. Yeah.
2: I I assume that too, but I don't know. Right,
0: right. And then they talk about, you know, the lost continent of the Americas and apparently there was a great war that happened there at some point and everything was just obliterated it was rendered completely uninhabitable but that's all just sort of part of the the backstory that you don't really have explained to you it's just this is the world that that Tom lives in here's how it is so I really I thought the world building was great the characters were kind of thin you know like it it just threw you right into the action of you know here's this story arc and here are these characters that are going to carry the story forward so you know Tom is kind of a typical you know young hero's journey kind of kind of kid he starts out with certain ideas about who are the virtuous people of his city and who are the bad guys and you know the land dwelling stationary people are backwards and barbaric and London is the height of civilization and he comes suddenly to find out suddenly
2: he's stuck face to face with a wild assassin trying to kill his heroes who turns out to be not such a bad person in the long run it's hard to but, tell but you know that's that's how adventure begins yep. right adventure right uncomfortable (laughs) right
1: (laughs) I mean yeah they were I mean they were relatively young they were like I don't know late teens mid teens maybe 16 yeah I mean, which, which a lot of adventures like this Or books written for young adults are you know.
0: Right, and it's basically the, the young people kind of know what's going on And they're fighting against evil And the adults are either oblivious or evil themselves Or stupid, yeah or, Yeah, <laughs> stupid, oblivious Or else they're the bad guys So uh, they're, they're part of the system, man Yeah, yeah <laughs> So it, it was a very quick, fast-moving read. I enjoyed it. The world was very complete. Their theological system was pretty interesting. They mentioned in passing that, that there are shrines to the goddess Clio, who is the goddess of history. And, you know, each guild has kind of their own deity. And then the airships have, they go aboard an airship, and there's a little niche with an altar to the god of the airship. Everywhere you go, there is this sort of multi-theism Polytheism—that's that's really interesting, and it's just such a normal part of their lives that they don't, other than saying they saw it. That yeah. it doesn't explain it. Yeah, it doesn't you go he did not didn't delve
2: into it very much at all. And you—you you you could attach that to you know Roman Catholic saints, or you know Chinese gods, or anything that's comfortable to you because he—he he just lets you fill it in.
1: Well, like when the histor- in the historical building, there was like a mention to like the god Mickey. And Pluto, I believe it was, yeah. because because I mean, because you know, I guess they found artifacts from our time or whatever, and we have you know Mickey Mouse and Pluto, they're everywhere, so right. they must be shrines or and whatever.
0: Then, and then there are people's names that are like you know, so and so Walmart, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> and you know that's an ancient family history, you know, a very prestigious family name. Yes,
2: yes. <laughs> so, so, Flavio, did what did you think of it?
0: I liked it in general.
1: It was a good read. Like I said, it was it was a fast read, even though like uh, you know it took me a while, but only because I, I read I don't read as often or straight through sort of, sort of like you do. But anyway, yeah, I liked it. There was a, the only thing that really that kind of bugged me a little bit about it, and it was this just a little little small nitpick in my head, and that's only because hypocrisy bugs me a lot. When they ran across another city that was a little smaller city, and they call it a pirate city, you know, because oh, so they were oh, yeah. a bad city, they were a pirate city. But to me, they they're all
2: pirate cities because all they're doing is hunting other cities. What well, he said that, even in the book it's like yeah. oh, this is a pirate city because it's different than london how yeah <laughs> it's small
1: but and that just it just bugged me because he was all you know he was like oh these people are pirates we don't want to be in you know we don't want anything well, to do the with reason them that
0: they were you know? pirates is because they didn't follow municipal darwinism the the pirates boarded the town and then they took it over uh-huh.
2: and oh, usurped the smaller ate the larger the
0: smaller ate the larger and the pirate captain usurped the place of the of the lord mayor of that town and sort of kicked out all of the rightful inhabitants okay. and sold uh, okay. them into slavery and so that was why he was a pirate and he was a bad guy is because he had gone he'd, he'd against all the rules the okay. natural order <laughs> <laughs> like pirates, pirates, don't follow, yeah, pirates right. don't
1: follow the rules. That's right. Yar. Okay, I guess and, that makes uh, sense. But still, it yeah. just kind of bugged me that they were upset that, oh, he's a pirate, but they're all doing the same thing, you know?
2: <laughs> yeah, I-, I thought the Reeve, the author, who was was pointing that out, he was making a point of that. Even though than- the character
0: of Tom was horrified by it, mm-hmm. as the, you as the reader could see, there's not really any difference between right. this pirate guy and, you know, Lord Chrome, the Lord Mayor of London. They're They're both kind of... Jerks. <laughs> <laughs>
1: yeah. <laughs>
0: like you have to be, I guess, to be a right. one of those lords. So my only nitpicks with it were I didn't really get the the character that that Tom runs into, Hester that is the assassin. She has a sort of a distinctive problem with her appearance. But other than that, the, the appearances of all of these people are not really well-defined, they're not really described too much. I found out about halfway through the book that one of the main characters didn't have any hair. Uh, <laughs> Which one was that? Bevis.
1: Beavis. Oh, okay.
0: Yeah, yeah. yeah. Bevis. Bevis. He was right, okay. He was an engineer. I think he, a
1: lot of the engineers didn't have hair. Well, yeah, because none of he, the engineers yeah. have hair.
0: Because the, That's the first
1: it was mentioned. The hero's yeah.
0: daughter has long. I, right. I thought it was blonde, but I'm not really sure. Had long hair that was shiny and beautiful. And he said, "You know, I'm I'm starting to like your hair. I'm not used to seeing hair on people because I'm an engineer, and and they put something on our heads to make us not have hair." And you're like, what? And, and you're, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, and you're just sitting there going, well, they could have mentioned this earlier. And, you know, she's kind of falling for him. And I'm like, okay, his name is Beavis and he has no hair. Why does she love him? But he's he's very brave and, and knowledgeable. and I'm awesome. No, that's and he's not in a Beavis sort of way. I'll say to Beavis. Um, and then they reference the, the main bad guy's daughter as being some kind of half-breed or outlander. And the reason why he's doing a lot of what he's doing that are the bad things is because he's trying to buy his daughter's place in society and keep them from calling her and an the outlander upper, upper
1: tiers or upper levels right. of the and, city. but it doesn't
0: explain like is she black you know? <laughs> yeah they i never mean you know, they never, is I, she another i mean is she's some what's what's the deal with her like why is she Cause, strange cause she was
1: born in a stationary city or town
0: but how could you tell that by looking at her but, i don't know i don't i didn't get that
2: I, I think, I, again, I think it, it's an English thing. So, I mean, they're, very, they're right. very classist. Everybody knows where everybody else goes.
0: So, all of these people were white except for the airship people. And the airship people oh. are multicultural, and the people that live behind the walled city are apparently Asian. Mm-hmm. So, all of the Londoners, the pirates, are like inbred British hicks. They're. <laughs> You know, <laughs> yeah. <very laughs> whatever class, whatever yeah. they call that, you know, the pirate has like you know all these obnoxious children that have no manners are apparently sort of diseased. And uh, <laughs> how would you know they were white? I don't know because they're British. I guess it, they all talk. White? I just, <laughs> no. I, I just get the impression that they're just all these you know pasty people. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> like this I is said, the, the far flung
2: future. The, I, I don't the author think...
0: doesn't describe their skin tones or hair colors generally so you don't really know (laughs) i just assume it doesn't matter but when they get they meet up with the airship captain madam fang she's obviously an asian woman you know they describe her skin tones they describe her eyes as being in you know, an yeah, narrow yeah. and mm-hmm. and how she's small but terribly quick and fierce She and, knew kung fu right and then <laughs> it uh, doesn't say that i know and then there's the the captain of another airship who is obviously of african descent and they describe his the author describes his skin tones and his the name of his ship is a, an African word and things like that. Oh, so yeah. I, I get the idea that this guy is writing with white as sort of the default for his characters.
1: Possibly. But I, don't but I really don't. It. It's probably not something like he did it intentionally, maybe. Or, I mean,
2: but or, or maybe he's intentionally making a contrast between the yeah. very monochromic Londoner to the greater world that is, you know, filled with diversity. Uh, maybe, maybe he did that on purpose. I don't right.
1: know. I mean, they ran across another city that was bigger. I think it, it sounded like it was Russian, maybe, or German. It was definitely not a, an English city that, right. that was chasing them down. But right. So there's other cities out there from other countries, bigger, that's what I'm saying. Bigger, bigger. cities. Right.
0: Oh, here's my major beef with this book. The author changed tense. Like, mid Paragraph. It would go from, you know, so-and-so sees so-and-so sitting on the bench. He walks over to so-and-so and does the thing. And then they did this and they did that. And it's like, okay, you either present tense or past tense. I think present tense is really awkward to write in. So I don't know why the author would have chosen that at all. But then to sort of change tense for no reason, really... It bugged me. Once I noticed it, it was very hard not to notice it again, <laughs> to ignore and go mm, on.
1: I can't say that I noticed it actually, or remember it if I did. Okay. I mean, I'm. I, I, I now that I'm. I you mentioned you. it, I'm seeing
2: it. Yeah. I believe just like, you, but I, I didn't. I didn't pick up on it at the time.
0: Yeah. At first, I th- I, when I first noticed it, I thought, well, maybe they're writing this character in the present tense to sort of show that he's the bad guy doing bad things, and then everything else is past tense. But then. They had him doing stuff, and then all of a sudden switched from present tense to past tense in the same paragraph. So that was just like, oh, poor writing. Bad editing. Oh, dear. <laughs> shame, shame. <laughs> but other than that, it was a good book. You right. It it. Right. Uh, it wasn't enough to put me completely off the book. It was, it was a really enjoyable read, and I have just started on the next book in the series. Wow, already. Cool. Yeah, not uh, very far in just yet. But.
2: Now looking this up, I noticed that uh, this was published in 2012. So, Steampunk was a thing yeah. at the time. Mm-hmm. And unless we want to debate it, I, I think well, actually, this was definitely a... This th- says published t- 2005.
0: Really? Depends on which version you're looking at, maybe. Oh. Paperback versus hardcover. Still.
2: Still. still. 2005. Yeah. Still. Uh, yeah, reasonable. Unless we want to debate whether or not this was Steampunk, I feel fairly comfortable with the... Uh,
1: I'll I'll call it steampunk. I mean, they've got the flying ships, and I like the airship ideas that they have, and I guess they were kind of balloon-ridden as well, or Mm -hmm. lifted by balloons, which is a standard in steampunk.
0: Right.
2: And And um, it's very anti-establishment. Definitely. Definitely themes to it uh, I don't know that it was strongly Victorian no it was post-apocalyptic uh, but it was in London which is <laughs> close yeah <it's laughs> a bit of a stretch but two out of three we usually yeah, say yeah. isn't bad
0: right and I think the guild system is fairly Victorian in nature mm-hmm. uh, what I wonder is did the author
2: was the author thinking oh I'm going to write a steampunk book or no, was just this is his, no his idea yeah. and it just happened to fall into our laps
1: yeah there's no telling without actually talking to the author I guess I don't know of any interviews.
2: I, I'm hoping it wasn't, because... You know, accidental I, steampunk, you like that, I right? love accidental steampunk because it means the author or artist or musician is not coming in with any uh, preconceptions, uh, preconceptions or, of what to steampunk should be. They're just doing the thing that they want to do, which often turns out really cool.
1: But it also falls into what I've been noticing a lot of. Steampunk, instead of going into the past in Victorian times, they're going into the future post-apocalyptic times. I've seen that a lot in a lot of steampunk books, and, mm-hmm. and I guess that works, because it's the same... I don't know why it works but it does <laughs> you know, maybe because of the gadgets and the goggles and whatever they're using Well, it's, right, it's fiction, or, or, and right? it also kind of falls into diesel punk I guess a little bit there too sometimes the future
0: is just one big Tom Petty video <laughs>
2: <laughs> Tom Petty so steampunk Did,
0: you saw that that video right
2: which one I don't remember
0: okay we're gonna look it up and we're gonna play it in the break
1: (laughs) okay okay okay. that's cool (laughs) alright so I guess to wrap this part up I would recommend the series Facts you would recommend it Oh anybody. yeah. Well, Erica, you I recommend definitely it? Liked the first book? Yeah,
0: definitely yeah. check it out. It's it's definitely worth reading. I think we managed to find at least a couple of the books in the series at half price books, so can't go wrong. Mm-hmm. And
1: it, and so also if it's as young adult book. so
2: if you have any young adults, you can, you know don't feel don't feel bad about letting them read it. You know? And in this case, I would extend that you have a deadline to read these books. Oh yeah, because in twenty eighteen. Peter Jackson is directing the movie ooh there's oh, gonna be yes. a movie all right Mortal Engines is already uh, getting their actors together I don't know if they started filming because I didn't bother to do enough research but <laughs> that's one of the things Laurel I said uh, and
0: in the beginning okay, is, okay, hey, Peter
1: Jackson's
2: you. gonna make the movie out of
1: this and, and Peter oh, Jackson's man. been pretty good at making movies for the most part I think I've enjoyed most of his stuff yeah
0: <laughs> yeah very quick read you can, you can get through a book in a weekend easily okay any last comments on this so we'll move on Gotcha.
1: Just today, just a little while ago, we finished watching another movie, The City of Ember.
0: Right. So we're we're still doing the post-apocalyptic city theme. Yep. Yeah. But in this particular story,
1: the city doesn't move. No. The city
0: doesn't move. It has gone deep underground. Very
1: deep underground to
0: escape the ravages of Something. some unknown threat.
1: Post-apocalyptic world.
0: <laughs> right. So they were this was the last hope of humanity to to save people and so they created this underground sanctuary city yep. where they sent people down. I'm
1: I'm thinking it was some kind of nuclear exchange because they because they put them down there expecting them to be down there for 200 years. Right. Thinking that
2: by that time the the top the outside world would be livable again. Right. So they never said that at least in the movie. This is based on books yep. and I kept wondering I wonder if the books are any more you know,
0: I guess it has got more be a more happening for the Probably. future. Sure.
2: I mean, that's that's how it normally goes with the books.
0: So let's let's read the book next.
2: <laughs> we can do that and compare. I've to, got compare this to series the I need to finish.
0: I know. <laughs> okay, so. this is the movie of Ember. So there's, once again, I think it was young adult. Young adult, yeah. right? Yeah, definitely. Definitely, kind mm-hmm. of along the same lines as you know, Hunger Games or or something like that. Kind of a dark future.
2: Definitely a dark future. And unlike the book that we read recently, this city is very static. Not only does it not move across the country trying to eat other cities, but all the people there have fallen into this sort of routine, and they're just sort of going through their lives as the world is... Decaying. decaying and crumbling around them.
0: Right. Yeah. They're running out of stored provisions. The pipes and the electrical systems that had been put in place to only last for approximately 200 years are now way out of date. We're yep. not really sure how far out of date. but They've uh, run out of
2: replacement pipes, so they're fixing everything with mud and... Tape. Tape? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the electrical generators is dying, and there are blackouts, and people are afraid that... Everything's going to go to black permanently. It's against the law to try to leave. Right. Right.
1: Which is weird. You know, you would think, you know, if they're desperate, you know, they would send people exploring what's out there.
0: Well, as does tend to happen, the people in charge have sort of become entrenched in their power structure, and they feel like they... Would have something to lose by losing control of the people and having them escape off into the darkness. So they kind of do what they can to keep people complacent and not questioning things too much.
1: Yeah, apparently, and and a religion cropped up. You know, the builders will return and save us. Kind of religion, right? (laughs) Which is another way to keep people complacent, right? And not. Asking too many questions kind of thing
2: but never mind that because we have young heroes who are going to solve the the puzzles put the clues together and figure out how to save the city
0: right so the there's a very brief part at the beginning of the movie where they establish that some terrible calamity has happened and they've established this underground city and things have just kind of gotten out of hand and people have forgotten the original purpose of ember and we open on assignment day when young teenagers are given their job that they're going to have within the society of ember for the, the mayor, rest of
2: their life the mayor pulls out the sorting hat yep. <laughs> and it has a conversation with each student wait nope no No, that was a different right
0: no it's it's a it's sort of a moth-eaten handbag
1: with, with little notes written inside, with
0: and he he goes around to each of the of the young people and holds out the handbag, and everyone just reaches in and grabs a slip of paper, and, your and fate whatever is sealed. slip of paper you grab, that's what you are for the rest of your life. It was super communist, <laughs> yeah, yeah, it
1: was, and just not efficient. Like, yeah, what if that person's not very good at what they picked? You right. So apparently, so, you can trade up. Oh, yeah. But well, if, if, that was, if that were the case, then all the kids would be trading, wouldn't they, for the most part? I thought they did. <laughs> Two of them did. Two of them did. <laughs> that, well, that, that we, we know, know of. of. Yeah.
0: So, so there's young girl, Lena Mayfleet, who really wants to be a messenger. And her best friend boyfriend Dune Harrow, and he gets she she draws first. She's kind of like running late, and she sneaks in, and she draws first, and she gets
1: pipe works pipe
0: pipe works, and she's very depressed. And then Dune gets messenger, and he's very depressed because he doesn't want to deal with all that. So they trade. Parts, and she goes to the messenger office and becomes a messenger. Yeah, no one questions it, so I don't even know why. Yeah, whatever. <laughs> yeah. but
2: like, Dune doesn't really want to be in the pipe work city either. He wants to be an engineer and work on the on fixing the the generator, the generator, the, the giant generator that gives the city. But a he power. doesn't get that job no. now, right?
0: Uh-oh. And his dad, played by Tim Robbins, Tim Robbins, is kind of a strange tinkerer who sort of makes all these needlessly complex devices in in their cramped little apartment, including a robot that screams when you pick it up. You know, for kids. Uh (laughs) Uh-huh.
1: Right. <laughs> but That wasn't the only role but I saw in the movie. I think I saw another one or two. There was, m- there was yeah, yeah. around. But they, they, were, they were all they're all plugged into the wall. You know, they're they're not nothing's in. battery powered. You know, everything's plugged into the wall for power. Right. And that, that's kind of funny. Even when they're like their their headlamps on their mining hats or whatever, you have yeah, to plug so them in. Yeah, so you're
0: down in the pipeworks <laughs> working on something and you have a power out and your headlamp on your helmet is plugged into the wall. So there is no light. There is no light. Nope, no light. Wasn't very well explained as to how exactly that's supposed to work. Yeah, apparently they didn't know how to make candles. <laughs>
1: they
2: didn't know what had candles. Right. I'm sure they mm. ran out. It's yeah. been, well, 200, still years. Make it's been out 200 years. you candles <laughs> out of stuff. It's been more than 200 years. You could have made candles out of the fat of those giant moles yeah. that <laughs> keep sneaking into the right. city. But never mind. Never mind that.
0: The mayor of Ember is played by Bill Murray. He does an excellent job. And there's this little short guy that does a really excellent Sean Spicer <laughs> imitation. Uh,
2: that actor is Toby Jones.
0: Right. As Sean Spicer. Barton's Of Ember.
2: <laughs> yeah, he is kind of. He's,
0: he is the Sean Spicer, Spicer of Ember. Let's just put her out
1: there. Apparently he's going to be in the entitled Jurassic World sequel that's coming up.
0: He's uh-huh. gonna get eaten.
1: He's been in the Sherlock, um, the, the, the Sherlock series.
0: That is a face that is that is. Yeah, you, if you see him face. I mean, you
1: see the guy, you recognize him. <laughs> oh, that guy! I've seen him in all this and this
0: and that. You know, I've seen that thing. guy. He gets off in the first yeah. <laughs> three minutes of every movie. Yeah, <laughs> so they Dune and, and Lena figure out the puzzle. Apparently, Lena's grandmother has has the box that the, was supposed to be passed down from mayor to mayor until two hundred years yes, passed. And it, then, it, it had the instructions on how to get out. Right, and so in, when it, when two hundred years passed, this armored box will suddenly open, and the directions will be there on how to how to leave Ember and get back to safety. And the box should be in
2: the mayor's hands, but seven the seventh mayor lost it, shoved it in the closet someplace, so nobody knows anymore. Well, I just thought he got he just suddenly dropped dead for
1: some reason, and that's the box just got swept aside, or whatever. <laughs>
0: right. So the directions were lost, and they, they turn up again under Granny's bed. But Granny is kind of dotty and doesn't remember what you're supposed to do with it, even though she does remember that it's important. And then she dies. And, and then Lena's
2: little sister comes and eats the message that was in the box because little kids are disgusting. <laughs> <laughs>
0: so lena kind of fishes it out of her mouth and puts it all back together sorta and she and dune figure out how to get out which is a very complicated log ride yeah escape but, room but there's a
2: series of yeah a series um, of puzzles it's like Or a the
1: video es- game it would be something like you've seen a video the game escape you have to do November. this before you do that you got to do that <laughs> before this happens kind of thing yeah right
0: twist this knob turn this <laughs> dial <laughs> Set this to go, set that to
1: stop. Run to the other side and hit this button kind of thing. Right. In specific order. It has to be happening in a certain order or it's not going to happen at all. Right. So, spoiler, Lena
0: and Dune find their way out.
1: Through the log ride.
0: Through the log ride. Through the
1: log ride which, to me, doesn't make any sense, but okay.
0: The builders know. The builders are wise. <laughs> Who are you to question the will of the builders? I guess
2: so. <laughs> the builders are going to... Start
0: a new Disney
2: franchise. They need rides (laughs) (laughs) and also escape rooms. uh,
0: Yeah,
1: I guess there was plenty of those little boats for everybody in the city. I guess sure there was. You saw, yeah. But still, I was so weird.
0: (laughs) (laughs) It was it was a nice. It was a ninety minute long movie. Pretty quick. Pretty pretty painless to watch. Uh, It it had a good pace. Moved along smartly.
2: I thought it was really uh, visually appealing.
0: Right. It definitely. When the
2: lights weren't out, it was very colorful. Mm-hmm. And everything glowed with a golden Edison bulb sort of a feel. Mm-hmm. And all the people were a little bit dotty English. Nobody spoke <laughs> with an English accent.
0: No, I guess and overall I enjoyed mostly it. mostly white people. Again, there was other people there. What, the really? lady in the oh. greenhouse, the token greenhouse lady. And then
1: I saw. I think I saw an Asian somewhere in the crowd. I don't know. <laughs> mostly white of, people. Yeah, a lot of uh, yeah. Yeah. Well, it was made in 2008 or released in 2008.
0: They they had other. I know other I'm just people saying.
1: there. I don't know. Was it where, was it made in England?
0: No. 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 no no because none of the no, actors no one had accent I mean, not even
1: the bad guy had english yeah accents. tim
0: robbins bill murray those are uh, american actors yeah so anyway it's just one of those things that once you start noticing stuff like that you can't unnotice so like i mean i guess it's just the political climate right now i'm very extremely hyper aware of the white people problem
1: <laughs> I, I don't think i have before. any I, I don't have any comments right now about that uh, <laughs> since i'm not yeah. white
2: <laughs> what wait what
1: yeah surprise oh dear
2: <laughs> i thought you just like to spend time in the sun
1: <laughs> i'm asian no no i'm not <laughs> right <laughs> so overall I guess any last comments what, did you like City of Ever I liked it liked it too it was, it was I mean I think it was more for young adults I, was, I don't think I was the target audience if I was younger I, I would have liked it a lot more I, sure. as
2: I said there were points that I felt like did I just miss, miss some plot points or are they just skipping forward because
0: yeah I think they were definitely sure skipping
2: forward piece of the book they, they just pulled out it did
0: make me want to read the book so I'll say. So that. I guess
1: that's a good thing. Yeah? Yeah. yeah, that's a good thing. Then when you read the book, you realize how bad the movie actually was, right? <laughs> that happens a lot. The books are always better than the movies. Well, you can just put more
0: <laughs> stuff into a book, is all. So exactly,
2: was that steampunk? Was it steampunk? Well, oh, we got it from a steampunk gadgets. list of movies. Right. Right. I don't think right. that counts. No, but. They, but wore was it they wore goggles. They wore
1: <laughs> goggles. There was gadgets.
0: Goggles. There was all kinds of
1: gadgets. These are little robots and mechanisms. Mechanisms.
0: Kind of a dark future.
1: Tim Robbins was a tinkerer.
0: Tim Tim Robbins was a mad genius.
1: So that's that's, that's pushing it, but okay. Well, we'll, we'll click uh, that checklist there. Uh, Anti-establishment, because I mean, the kids I mean, were trying to go, they were uh, going against them to try to get out. I don't know.
0: Right, and the mayor was perfectly content to just hoard his bit of wealth and control the people, and, and not was trying to stop them, not try to help everyone get out of Ember.
2: Anti-establishment in a very low-key, safe. Okay for kids kind of way.
1: Right. Well, you know, we're gonna well we have a we have a mystery, we're gonna solve it no matter what, kind of
2: thing.
0: And I would have gotten away with it too, <laughs> if it hadn't been for you kids. Yeah. Ah, giant mole. <laughs> and the giant mole.
2: Giant moles were scary. That
0: the was, giant was mole nasty. was
2: horrifying. Uh
1: okay. so, All right. It's like, I, I don't know. I mean maybe it's stretching the stretching the terms like we do, but not Victorian. <laughs> it was definitely not Victorian. They didn't even have English accents. <laughs> like we said close to two out of three, one and a half yeah. out of three. It's kind of weak sauce in the steampunk. I mean, there uh, was steam in the steampunk. When the pipe works, there was steam everywhere. popping we're out. just stretching. I know, I know. I'm
2: stretching. But it was, it was a fine movie. Sure, sure. Yeah, IMDb only gives it six and a half out of ten. I thought it was a good seven. Oh, sure. Okay. Okay. (laughs)
1: So, close enough to steampunk, we'll let it slide. Okay. (laughs) But it's it's at the lower level of steampunk, I believe. But if you watched it and you didn't care much for it...
2: Or if you really liked it more than us. uh, Well, I was going to say, if you didn't like it, Erica is going to tell us exactly how you can dispose of it (laughs) in, in the upcoming segment.
0: <laughs> oh, do we have time for etiquette?
2: Oh, I demands some for etiquette. etiquette.
0: All right, then. Well,
1: that would have washed this off of us. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yes, washing, washing, very important element of Victorian society. This is a reading from Frost's Laws and Bylaws of American Society by Mrs. Sarah Annie Frost. First, we will address the ladies' toilette. Perhaps in these days of public and private baths, it may, be, it may seem a work of supererogation to insist upon cleanliness as the first requisite in a lady's toilette. Yes, it may be as well to remind all our fair readers that fastidious on this head cannot be carried too far. Cleanliness is the outward sign of inward purity. Cleanliness is health, and health is beauty." We will begin then with the business of the dressing room, which can be quite well performed in three quarters of an hour or even less and should latest be achieved by eight o'clock in the summer and nine in winter. To sleep too much is as trying to the constitution as to sleep too little. This to- is
2: her. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Daylight savings time. <laughs> oh. uh. To sleep too much is to render oneself liable to all sorts of minor ailments of both mind and body. It is a habit that cannot be too severely censured, especially in the young. My no, body mother- is Ready. No mother has any right to allow her young daughters to ruin their temper, health, and complexion by lying in bed till nine or ten o'clock. Early rising conduces more to the preservation of health, freshness, and young looks than anything in the world, and even to the proper preservation of our mental faculties. The bath is a most important object of study. It is not to be supposed that we wash in order to become clean, we wash because we wish to remain clean. The bath should be taken by a person in good health once a day in winter, twice a day in summer. For persons of really robust constitutions, a cold shower bath may be recommended, but as a general rule, the sponge bath is safest and most convenient. Cold water refreshes and invigorates, but does not cleanse. Those persons, therefore, who daily use a cold bath in the morning should frequently use a warm one at night. For cleansing purposes, the water should be from 96 to 100 degrees or even 108 degrees, but such a bath should be sparingly indulged in as it exhausts the physical powers. A tepid bath varying from 85 to 95 degrees is perhaps the safest for general use, the more particularly as it answers the purpose both of refreshing and cleansing. It is not well to remain in the bath for longer than two or three minutes. A large, coarse sponge is best for the purpose. It is advisable to wet the top of the head before entering a cold bath. Whether soap be used or not, it is well to apply the flesh brush gently to the face and vigorously to the whole body. Nothing improves the complexion like the daily use of the flesh brush. When the (laughs) brushing is concluded, a huckaback or Turkish towel should be used for the final process of drying. The teeth must be scrupulously cared for. If proper care were taken of the teeth in youth, there would be less employment of the dentist in afterlife. The Americans ruin their teeth by drinking ice drinks with hot dinners. The Spanish ladies by eating sugar all day long. The Mexicans by smoking cigarettes. Very hot and very sweet things should be avoided. The teeth should be carefully brushed, not only night and morning, but after every meal. Very hard toothbrushes are not advisable. And a simple tooth powder of common chalk is safer and And more effectual than any quackeries. The onion we need scarcely observe must be the forbidden fruit of Eve of the 19th century. Indigestible food is also certain to affect the, the sweetness of the breath. As soon as the breath becomes unpleasant, one may be quite sure that the digestive machinery is out of order. The nails must be fastidiously clean and never allowed to grow inordinately long. In the cutting of the nails, every care must be given to the preservation of the shape and to the removal of superfluous skin. A liberal use of the nail brush, warm water, and best Windsor soap will ensure the preservation of a delicate hand. Gloves must, of course, be worn out of doors and even indoors as much as possible. The hair requires a good deal of care, though of the simplest and most inartificial kind. The secret of fine and glossy hair is a clean hairbrush, and ladies who keep no maid to perform those offices for them should wash their hairbrushes in hot water and soda every day. Every other day is the minimum of washing that a hairbrush should have. Once secure, the perfect cleanliness of your hairbrush, and the rest will be easy. Brush the hair carefully, both at night and morning. Let it be occasionally cleansed with yolk of egg beaten up or a mixture of glycerin and lime juice, and you will find no need to resort to hair doctors or quacks. Pomade and oil are strictly to be avoided, but after a seawater bath or during a sea journey, a little warm pomade will be useful in softening the hair. Above all things... "'Never attempt to change the color of the hair "'by means of fashionable dyes and fluids. Colors so obtained cannot harmonize naturally "'with the skin, eyes, and eyebrows that nature has given. "'Practices of this kind are simply and strictly immodest. "'They evince a senseless desire for fashion "'and an equally senseless eagerness to attract. "'Hair dyes like painted lips and cheeks "'and penciled eyebrows and complexions purchased "'are disgraceful to the wearers.' With regard to the art of obtaining a good complexion, let ladies be careful in regard to diet. Take regular exercise in the open air. Wear broad-brimmed hats in the sun, veils in the wind. Let them avoid pearl powders and washes of every kind. Let them, above all things, go early to bed and rise betimes in the morning. And if by so doing they are not made beautiful forever, they can never be made so. The face should never be washed. When heated from exercise, wipe the perspiration from the skin and wait until it is sufficiently cool before you bathe, even with warm water. Rainwater is best for the bath. In case of any eruption upon the skin, no time should be lost in procuring medical advice. He who doctors himself, says the proverb, has a fool for his physician.
2: (laughs) Wow. When when was Uh, that written? So many jokes to be made. I I, I apologize for... For Piping up, I couldn't. I Oh that's, my lord, that's only
0: for the ladies. I haven't even gotten to the gentlemen's yet. Yeah, we'll I don't to think save we have that for, for another that. time.
2: Yeah, Your but, author wow. is like a crotchety old woman. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I was saying like, wow, really calling out like the Mexicans and <laughs> Americans and just calling people
0: out. Like, yes, and very she's that racist old lady. <laughs> and very, very specific temperatures of the bath yeah. are to be
2: strictly observed, lukewarm at best. Yes, I oh. only
0: stay in the bath for three minutes, or else <laughs> who knows what could go wrong.
2: <laughs> God like. forbid you should get any hot water or hot anything. Yeah, yeah, ease is bad, especially for more than three minutes. I was About to
1: say, don't let anybody sleep till nine or ten because it'll make them cranky. It's like that, I find that's the opposite: the more you sleep, the
0: less cranky you,
1: you people get. Of, you
0: know? <laughs> oh my gosh! Don't even talk to me about sleep. We've just had daylight savings, and I am exhausted. Yeah, it has messed with everybody's constitution.
1: I'm pretty tired too. <laughs> right, so that's how, ladies, uh, that's all you
2: heard. That's how you take your baths. I look forward to a future episode where we learn how to maintain ourselves as gentlemen. I'm
1: sure I'm doing it all wrong. I can tell by now.
2: (laughs) For
0: shame, sirs. For shame.
1: Okay. Well, that's it for now. We're going to take a small break, and then we'll come back with coming events. Absolutely.
2: Tom Petty, you got lucky, babe. Uh, why did that? Now, I've, I of, of my age, I think all of us remember that being on the radio. Oh yeah, uh, listen to Tom Petty heard it all the time. But I had never seen that video. No, <laughs> so I never associated it with anything but jerk singing to his. Girlfriend, who probably can do better.
0: Right. So this was released in October of 1982. It was from the album Long After Dark. This uh, music video was obviously influenced by the movie Mad Max 2, which was released in 1981. Yeah. Um, yeah. So it kind of ties in with the post-apocalyptic theme that we were going. Definitely. Yeah. Going the the with whole earlier. video was
1: very it pof- was a post-apocalyptic feel to that video. And had goggles. They had goggles. Important. They had they had top a, hats. They had a fancy little motorcycle and car. Right. Top hats again. Yeah. Tom Petty has a top hat.
0: The hover car was actually from the television series uh, entitled Logan's Run. I thought I recognized it. Right. So they they managed to get the the, uh, hover car prop from that show and use it. So yeah, the the video is kind of, doesn't really have a lot to do with the lyrics of the song. No. but That's what I was wondering the whole time I'm watching the video. I was like, I don't understand (laughs) what's going on. This is the early days of MTV. (laughs) That car looked like a pith helmet. Does that count? (laughs) (laughs) You know, when MTV first got started there were a lot of videos that were just okay we're gonna show a video of this band performing on the stage yeah and
1: they're gonna stand there and play their right yeah. and and
0: then eventually boring bands and video directors started have started actually being a thing and they would actually say okay we're gonna tell a story with our song we're gonna explore kind of the filmmaking right. aspect <laughs> music video so i think duran duran probably started that whole thing first with like yeah. hungry like the yeah, wolf would, and yeah. girls mm-hmm. on film and mm-hmm. all of these really strange goings on where Basically, it's an excuse for these guys to, you know, let's travel to an exotic island and film ourselves frolicking in the water with scantily clad women. Oh, what a great idea for a video. That will be.
2: Um, <laughs> <laughs> but they're trying. They were trying so, to make a story. So, you right. know that song Rio? Let's go down to Rio, Texas, Texas, to the coast <laughs> That makes yeah.
1: perfect <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. They won't know. They
0: won't know. I don't we're just so going in that, the, that an same angle. vein
2: in that same vein we have this this video.
0: Right. They're so in the desert. It go, doesn't go with the the lyrics at all, but it tells a story of a post-apocalyptic world where these scavengers sort of happen upon old technology and sort of they, yep. try it out. They were and, trying to get to burning man, you could tell. <laughs> this was 1982. I don't think he, even Burning Man was around back then. Oh, Tom Petty
2: was around.
0: Well, Tom Petty was around. Tom Petty's been around forever and will always
2: be. Burning Man just wants to be Tom Petty.
0: Everybody wants to be Tom Petty. (laughs) we all want to live in this Tom Petty universe
1: it's true right. so yeah that's why we played the, the, the Tom Petty song it's not the song itself is not a steampunk but the video is very Man, steampunk
0: go, go watch we'll that we'll put a link
2: up that was um, so cool <laughs>
0: that was really funny brought back some good memories of so, being 12
2: oh, before we go on I want to uh, do a shout out to our friend Kimber Brown hey Kimber she just hey, gave Kimber. us a like on Facebook today woohoo probably while we were watching that movie
1: yep awesome thank and, you for the uh,
2: like Shout out to all the, the Brown family who we have met down in San Marcos for the Lamp Factory events, which they should start up again fairly soon. I'm hoping. That'd uh, be cool. Yeah. So thanks, Kimber. Appreciate. I hope you're listening.
1: Yeah, I hope so. You like this. I'm hoping you listen to something. That leads us into, speaking of events, what do we have going on? I think the first and foremost is uh, this weekend, or next weekend, sorry, March 18th, is a steampunk event in Fort Worth. That is happening, obviously, in Fort Worth.
2: Duh. You, the you mentioned that because right it's called a steampunk event in Fort Worth, end quote.
1: So we obviously have to bring it up. It is at the museum, I
2: believe. Amon Carter Museum of American Art? It's fancy. It's educational. To be followed up by an early dinner at the
1: Ginger Man Pub, we would meet at the museum at 2.30 p.m., free admission, take the free tour, the beginning is at 3 steampunk attire is encouraged of course just nothing looks like a weapon or, or could damage the artwork and it must be family friendly the museum knows we are coming and is ecstatic about our visit oh awesome they have asked to be alerted about the date so they can have a photographer handy so, so it's a little museum tour and pe- apparently they're gonna, you're gonna they're gonna meet up there and then after that go to the ginger man pub and have dinner and so it's Saturday at 2.30 I don't know why it says 2.30 a.m.
2: I'm sure they mean p.m. <laughs> yeah. yeah
1: so, so yeah well, I'll put a link up to that, that. that's next weekend and also that next weekend, you are going on a voyage on a, on a steampunk naval expedition. Yes. So bon voyage to you guys. I hope you guys have a good good time. Thank you. And definitely report back we <laughs> will. all the steampunk happenings. Well, if you want to talk about other stuff that happened, that's fine too because I'm sure it'd be fun. <laughs> yeah, adventure.
2: we're looking forward to meeting a lot of interesting people they go on these steampunk cruises yearly and this will be our first time there's been no mention of a bon voyage party like last time no no
1: haven't heard anything (laughs) but that's okay apparently last minute reservations are eleven hundred dollars
2: so needless to say the cheap seats sold but while we are out in austin the usual monthly gears and beers meetup will be happening at sherlock's pub on the 21st that's tuesday as usual Mm -hmm. i will not be there so i don't know what's going on i think it's just gonna be a sit down be social yep sit down have a tap have a beer have some dinner meet some some friends that you know or some new friends that you know that's
1: next tuesday on the 21st and then of course where there's still the circus Soleil that's happening up in dallas and soon to be moving over to houston Mm-hmm. Um, we did not make it the trip that we originally planned. We got diverted. We were doing other non steampunk things.
2: The weather was terrible last yeah. weekend, so driving Actually, up and we back went out in it anyway. <laughs> but driving to Dallas in the rain was it would have been bad. Yeah, it would have. been We we just going to San Antonio. We saw like a half dozen wrecks. Uh, not ex- not exaggerating. Police were everywhere. So, but there's
1: still more chances to go see it, and we will go see it. Right? <laughs> yes, probably in Houston then.
2: Yep, I guess. But before that, let's see. March 25th is the San Antonio Mini Maker Fair. Pull that up here. That is going to be at the San Antonio Public Library at Soledad Street. It's a family-friendly showcase of DIY inventions, creativity, resourcefulness. Makers, individuals, and groups are invited to present their DIY projects to show their work and share their expertise with the rest of San Antonio. The fair gathers together tech enthusiasts, crafters, hobbyists, artists, tinkerers, good food, artisans, engineers, science clubs, students, educators, and commercial exhibitors. So that's going to be fun. Yeah. Uh, Maker Fairs are always cool places to learn about new groups who are building stuff in your area, seeing what they're into. Yes, tinkering is very steampunk. <laughs> Absolutely. And if you dress up in steampunk, uh, they'll only think you the cooler. <laughs> yeah, probably. Cause it, you know, yeah, for sure. People
1: tend to react really positive when I'm, when we're dressed up, all fancy, at places like that. It is true. Next, after that, is on March 31st, the Dark and Twisted... Three. Three. A three. Glimpse into the Dark Side of Dance. This is happening out at the J. Loring Ghost Town, out here in Maynard, Texas. Right. And uh, We went to the first one of these, and it was pretty fun. They had they they were definitely it was it was mostly belly dance for the yeah. most part, but to modern music and other such mixes. It's not yeah, all. Yeah, there was a mix of, of music. Yeah, you know? a
2: mix of belly dance and uh,
0: cabaret cabaret
2: dance styles. So they they don't limit themselves, and so it's very interesting.
0: And if you've never been out to the ghost town, it's a wonderful opportunity to get some fantastic photographs with some amazing backdrops yeah so that's, that's
1: one good thing about that you know, i love it on place. your finest
0: steampunk gear and bring your favorite photographer friend and just have a really good time yeah
1: i'm not seeing any mentioned here but the first time they had a few vendors here and there mostly selling belly dance type stuff
2: i look fantastic now yes <laughs>
1: oh yeah nice and i you know. said <laughs> but i mean i don't it doesn't say that there's going to be any but there might be but it's definitely starts at 8 p.m Friday, March thirty first. At Dark and Twisted,
2: bring some folded money. They like to be tipped. Definitely, you
1: know, I, I don't think there's an admission. But the, yeah, there's no admission to the actual t- Lorraine Town ghost town. There's no admission to get yeah. in there. They they would like you to buy snacks and drink at oh, their yeah. at their they, bar. They've
2: got a burger bar. Uh, they got beers and burgers, which I think are very good. I, I know Flavio doesn't uh, have the same opinion but I think they're great.
1: And I'm sure a bunch of other people do as well cuz they do they, they sell. I see me I see a lot plenty of people eating there. That takes us at the end of March. Is there anything happening in April in well, the beginning of April that I know
2: I've also got, oh, you got happening. More. This list's March 31st through April 2nd. Honk. The Austin Klezmerbund Orchestra at Honk, Texas, 2017. If you've never heard of Honk, if you live in, in and around the Austin area, it is a gathering of marching bands from across the country, which, uh, honestly, <laughs> at, at first thought, I'm thinking, that sounds dull. <laughs> but but is actually quite interesting. You get bands like the Austin Klezmer Band, which I've never heard of. You get bands Emperor like... Robert
0: Norton's Stationary Marching Band.
2: Right. Uh, and they are fantastic. I think they I've do, heard of them. They do sort of a Klezmer-chick
0: <laughs> yeah, as it's well. it's all circus punk Klezmer. Just high,
2: high energy. Lots of I don't of fun. know how they are able to do this all weekend long. But uh, let me read it. Austin Klezmer Band Orchestra plays Honk Texas 2017 akbo will play around 6 p.m friday evening around 6 p.m saturday nights and for the parade sunday at noon on the east side please visit honktx.org for more details as they develop Honk, Texas is a free community street music festival of mostly marching bands. All ages are welcome. Please PM Austin Klezmer Band if you're interested in learning traditional Jewish folk music, i.e. Klezmer and Yiddish folk songs. AKBO is all levels of musicianship community ensemble. I've never (laughs) seen this band, but I'm already totally you're, you're into it already okay this, this sounds once again awesome. this is not necessarily a
1: steampunk event but however it's a perfect opportunity to dress up into your best steampunk garb go out there have fun be seen dance dance have fun i mean and like i said when you're dressed up like that people tend to notice and they they enjoy it this we is we've we never had a negative response when we go out to these type of events dressed up
2: this is definitely going to be a gathering of Austin style mad eccentrics. Right. So you will fit in just fine and I will probably see you there because this is going to be cool. I'm going to check this out. (laughs) We're
1: going to put this on our calendar. For sure. Another thing we're putting on our calendar is a little bit later in the middle, about mid April, April 14th to be exact. It's actually called a spring steampunk fling. This is also happening in the Dallas area at the pen. You say the word. Panopticon. Panopticon. There you go. I can never say that word. Panopticon at in Pe- Pearl Street, Dallas, Texas, starts at 9 p.m. Join us for a night of steampunk culture for a pre-ren fest party. Special guest in the main room is DJ Red Vamp. Live performance by Darwin Prophet and the Kronos Mirror. Plus, there'll be plenty of free tickets for Scarsdale Renaissance Festival. That's an, if you want if you like going to Scarsdale, there's a good place to go pick up some free tickets. Steampunk attire is highly encouraged. Hooray! So, you know, and they're even calling it a steampunk fling. So, this is definitely a steampunk event. All right. Once again this is up in the Dallas area and I think we're going to definitely put this on our list as possible places to go. Oh, I've we're just done forward it. To it. Yep. yep. Awesome. I think that takes us that I think that's everything we have for now. Anything else? No, I can't think of a darn thing. Neither can I.
2: If we've missed something that you know about, yes. uh, be sure to uh, put it in a comment in our on our Facebook page. We'd love to hear from you. If you have any comments about the show, you want to tell us we missed something or tell us what you thought of the movie or the book yeah, or definitely. anything, yeah. anything.
0: We're up over 200 likes.
2: Yeah, we're like a
0: 215, 216 now. Thank you now. so much for liking and sharing.
2: We so. feel famous.
0: <laughs> we're going to be famous. And welcome to all of our new likes since the last
1: show. Yep, Facebook.com you know we're on Facebook at Texas Steampunk Connection real, hopefully that's easy enough to find yes, and I think that's everything
2: all right hey thank you guys for listening uh, we've enjoyed bringing it to you uh, until next time yep mind your gauges
0: mind your gauges <laughs> <laughs> thanks
2: for listening This has been the Texas Steampunk Connection. Opening music was the Texas Steer Rag by George Botsford, recorded in 1909.
0: Please like us on Facebook at Texas Steampunk Connection.
1: Where you will find a link to all the topics we talked about in this episode.
0: Until next time,
1: mind your gauges. Hold on one second, here we go.